We are here on a Wednesday night, September 20th, 2023, and we are moving right along through Deuteronomy. So we're going to be in Deuteronomy 31. Deuteronomy 31. We are getting very close to the end, and this, this is really good stuff toward the end of Deuteronomy. So let's read. And Moses went and spake these words unto all Israel. So, if you don't remember what we talked about last week, you have to go back and listen to that. And uh, it was a warning at the end of 30, but all of 30 is uh, just instructions and some really good stuff about this covenant that God was making with these people uh, for going into the promised land. So... Moses went and spake all of this to Israel. And he said unto them, I am an hundred and twenty years old this day. I can no more go out and come in. Also the Lord has said unto me, Thou shalt not go over this Jordan. So Moses uh, is a hundred and twenty years old, too old to lead. Is 122 old to be president? You, know, you hear a lot of people recently saying, this guy, he's just too old to be president. Is, does that, I don't think that that's correct to say someone's too old. Now, our president right now, he is, doesn't seem to be fit to be president, but it's not because he's 80 years old. There's plenty of people out there that are very, like we got one sitting right out here right now, who finally made it to well-stricken in years and is still just, you're just sharp as you've ever been, right? Don't forget nothing anymore, right? So this, this person here can uh, do way more than other people that uh, are 80. Uh, uh, I don't know if Peter still listens to these uh, tapes, uh, but Peter, he turned 80, and he disappeared. And he, there was nothing wrong with him. So if Peter's listening to this, uh, you know, come out of hiding. We want to see you again. Uh, but, you know, some people, they get to a certain age, and then all of a sudden they think, uh, I can't do this anymore. And I'm old. Just because they turned an age, a number, so there's plenty of people out there that are plenty capable. And what you're going to see here in, in this section of Scripture, this part of Deuteronomy, is the importance of having somebody like a Moses who has been through it, who has experienced and has developed a bunch of wisdom that all of these younger people should be listening to, and he's preparing the people, and mainly Joshua. You know, you, don't, you haven't heard Joshua. You haven't heard his name much. He's been behind the scenes, but he's been there throughout this whole process. He's always been there, but he's about ready to uh, succeed. He's, he's going to take over, but before he's going to be a... Uh, a successor, he was a servant. He's been a servant for years and years and years, and he's been preparing, being prepared to take over at this time. And Moses is 
a wonderful example of a person who was a humble person, didn't feel like he was capable, and God said, I didn't ask if you're capable, are you available? I'm sending you. You need to go. I picked you. So we need to recognize that God picks people. And a lot of times, he picks the very people that the, the mankind, the, the people on this earth, wouldn't have picked. So, he has, so, so if he's 120 right here, he's been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years with these people, leading them through the wilderness. So he was 80 when that happened, when he took them out of Egypt. That's when he was 80. That's when his, his leadership for the nation of Israel really started, when he was 80 years old. So when, when you see the words... Uh, I can no more go out and come in. What does that mean? That doesn't mean he, he's not physically able to get up and go out and to come back because as we get to the last chapter, you're going to see where uh, you're going to see some physical acknowledgments about Moses where he wasn't really ready to die physically. So this has nothing to do with his age of 120 that he's not, he's not able to physically do it. But this, that, when you see go out and come in, that is what a, uh, like a, a leader who goes out and, and uh, does the service and gets the job done and then he comes back in, he is at that point where God is finished using him, and now it's time to pass that on to somebody else. So it's, think of it as a leadership thing. It's, it's time for him to give up the leadership part of it, and he is going to hand it over to Joshua. All right, he's not able to... Uh, one, another reason why he's got to hand over to Joshua is... Because the Lord has said unto me, Thou shalt not go over this Jordan. He's, when you compare Moses to most people, isn't he way above most people? Way above. He's, he's got a whole lot of mentions in this Bible. He has done a whole lot of really good things. He wrote all of this. So, he's told that he can't go into the promised land. As great as he was, he couldn't go over. And the reason is, he failed one time. I mean, he failed many times, but there's one time that really stands out. And he disobeyed God in one thing, and he smote the rock to get the water to come out. And because of that one failure that really stands out, he can't go over. So, that is a, is, we, should, we should see that as if you try to keep the law and you do a really, really good job at keeping the law, way better than anybody else in the whole world, but you messed up one time, you can't go to heaven. You can't go over into the kingdom of God. Moses represents the law because he brought 
the Ten Commandments down off of Mount Sinai. He represents the law as great as the law is. It can't get you over into the promised land. It can get you turned in the right direction. It can get you going in the right direction. It can get you right up to the Jordan, but that's as far as it can take you. And if Moses, Moses doesn't fade away and Joshua come on to the scene, then they're not, not getting into the promised land. And we, if, if the, the law, we read our Bibles and the law gets us turned in the right direction, gets us headed there, gets us headed, it gets us right up to going into the kingdom of God, but it can't take us over, and Jesus comes on the scene and takes us into the kingdom of God. That's what you need to see with this picture here. Verse 3 of 31 of Deuteronomy. The Lord thy God, he will go over before thee, and he will destroy these nations from before thee, and thou shalt possess them. And Joshua, there he is, he shall go over before thee, as the Lord hath said. And the Lord shall do unto them as he did to Sihon and to Og, kings of the Amorites, and unto the land of them whom he destroyed. And the Lord shall give them up before your face, that ye may do unto them according unto all the commandments which I have commanded you. Be strong and of a good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God, he it is that doeth go with thee, he will not fail thee nor forsake thee. So we, we, have, we need to have all the confidence that, that God is always there to help us through anything. And, you know, you walk a little different when you really know that He's there with you. You know, we, we, whether it be temptations in life and we uh, start to wander off the trail, if we know God is right there with us, knowing that He's watching everything, you know, a person who really believes... It's really hard for them to do certain sins. I mean, there's, that's, that's one, one way you don't follow after what you would like to follow after in the flesh is because you know you're being watched. I don't know if everybody's like that, but I know I'm like that. I'm, I'm thinking my Heavenly Father is watching what I'm doing. He's looking over my shoulder, and He sees what I'm seeing. And that causes me to you know, to, to, to walk in his ways and not in my ways. I'm at seven. And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him, in the sight of all Israel, be, so, so he's doing this in, the, in front of everybody, is what that's saying. Be strong and of a good courage, for thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord has sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. Remember, like we were talking this past Sunday, if you're an heir, if you're going to inherit, you didn't deserve it, you didn't earn it, but go take possession of it, because it's there for you, it's been promised to you. And the Lord... He it is that doeth go before thee, he will be with thee, 
He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. And Moses wrote this law and delivered it unto the priest, the sons of Levi, which bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and unto all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years in the solemnity, did I say that right? Uh, of the year of release in the Feast of Tabernacles. So there, this, these five books here that he has compiled, he, uh, every seventh year they're supposed to sit down and it, all the men, women, children, even strangers from other places, everybody's supposed to sit down. How many people would show up if we did that? We're going to read from Genesis, all 50 chapters, all the way through Deuteronomy to the 34th chapter, all the book of Moses. We're going to read it all, and everybody come on out, and we're going to read every bit of it. How many would show up? So that's what they're supposed to do. All right, we're, we're supposed to learn from that as well. All right, so we, we wouldn't wait for seven years. We come in every seventh day, actually we're coming in on the eighth day, but it's every, you know, seven days from the time we met last time, and then, so on Wednesdays, it's seven days, so we come in and we, we uh, get back into the Word, we're reading the Word, and we do the same thing on Sunday, so we, uh, on a weekly basis, twice a week, some people three times a week, as far as coming together and uh, reading the Word. That's what we do. Well, that's what some of us do. That's what a remnant of us do. When all Israel is come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates. All right. Notice it says, um, and, and, and. That's incorrect English, right? But this is English, and it's a bunch of ands in there. And why does the King James Bible do that? Why doesn't it correct this improper English? Because it slows you down. It's, this is on purpose. The King James Bible, when each person or peoples are, meant, are listed like this. You have men, you have women, you have children, and then you have stranger. They're, they're all important. Now, they're put in an order because God has an order for things. So the order is correct. Men should be number one, women should be number two, children should be number three, and then the stranger number four. But they're equally important in the sight of God as far as he wants them to know his word. Children should be listening to the Word of God just like the grown-ups. They're just as important in hearing the Word. So, and, 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 the stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of this law. 
and that their children which have not known anything may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as ye live in the land whither ye go over Jordan to possess it. Alright, so here's the thing. The law, we talked about how it can't get you into the kingdom of God, but we're supposed to live by it. We don't throw the law, law away because that's not what saved us. That's how we're supposed to live. If you don't know what the law or the commandments or the statutes or the precepts or all those different words that you see in, in Psalm 119 that describe God's ways, if you don't know what it is, you don't know how to live. Uh, we're supposed to get salvation taken care of and then move on from that. We, we, we learned that in Hebrews uh, several weeks ago when we were at the, toward the, it was like the beginning of Hebrews and it said to move on, uh, quit, quit getting saved all over again and uh, move on with your Christian walk. You're supposed to mature in your Christian walk. So you have a new believer, and the more... So you, you get somebody to have a, an experience. You, you, you introduce them to Jesus, the Holy Spirit convicts them, they have an experience, okay? And now they are blood-bought, they're a child of God. Now what do you do with them? Send them home? We don't ever want to see you again? Why? Would, why? why do you want them to come to church every single week? You really want them in church when they're a new believer. Why is that? We, they need to be under the protection of the rest of the flock, all the other sheep. And, and there needs to be a shepherd overlooking the sheep. Because even when we are born again, we do stupid things, like sheep. Sheep are still, see, they're, they're fairly innocent, and, but they're helpless, and they make bad decisions. And we will still make bad decisions even after being saved. We still can make bad decisions, and many of us still do. And we need to hear the Word of God. Uh, something else, when, when a person comes into the fold, then the wolf is now wanting to devour them. So you have this new little sheep that's in the fold, and there are uh, robbers and wolves that are ready to sneak in and to steal them. So uh, the devil will be hard at work to try to get a new Christian pulled back down. So, they, so he can't pull them out of the kingdom, he can't pull them out of their salvation if they're really saved. There's no way he can do that. But he can make them not effective for the kingdom of God. Satan will try to stop you from doing the things that you feel led to do by the Spirit. He will work against that. And we need to be amongst other believers to pray for each other, to lift each other up, to... Uh, we, when you act out in anger and you want revenge, then other Christians 
have the right words of God to speak to you, to get you back where you're supposed to be. If you're starting to wander off and go away you're not supposed to go, other Christians are supposed to bring you back in with the Word of God. And we have what we call a Christian walk. We need the Word of God, all of the Word of God, so that we know how to behave as Christians. We should be different than just the world. The world who rejects God's ways and they do not want to know anything that's in this Bible, they do very evil things. And we're supposed to be different than that. Uh, I would say we might turn there and read some of some places in Timothy where we are instructed to do good. We're instructed to, uh, you know, for, for us to have a leader in the church, they're supposed to be, uh, meet certain qualifications. Well, how do you know if they've met those qualifications if we don't have the Word of God? And if they haven't uh, met those qualifications, then they can't even be considered. And then once they, if they meet the qualifications, then here's a whole list of things that you're supposed to do as a leader. The Word of God is extremely important. And we, we read it, uh, every time you read it, you feel like there's that much more you just don't know. There's no other book like that. There's no other book, because all other books are just dead words. They're just words that have been written once, and you can take a book that a man wrote and you can read it. And then when you read it the second time, you really got it. And then the third time, and you, can all, you might be able to quote different things. And you feel like you've really got it. You're, you're get, you, it's in you and you know it. But the more you do that with the Word of God, the more you realize how deep it is and that you can never get enough. You can't ever feel like, I've got this now. The more you try, the more the, the, it's like the deeper water you're in, and you're like, I'm going to drown in this. Save me, Jesus. <laughs> you know, I just think of Peter walk, having enough faith to walk out on that water for just a moment, and he quickly realizes all the things around him, and he takes his eyes off Jesus just for a second, and he's going under, and he knows exactly what to say. Save me, Jesus. Save me. And Jesus instantly is pulling him up and putting him in the boat. Uh, where were we at? 14? And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thy days approach that thou must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the tabernacle of the congregation that I may give you a charge. Now, that word sounds familiar to us. Uh, that, that, they use that word a lot. A pastor, all right, this is their charge. They get it out of here, which is good. Uh, and Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tabernacle of the congregation. And the Lord appeared in the tabernacle in a pillar of a cloud, and the pillar of the cloud stood over the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, 
and this people will rise up and go a whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land. Why? I mean, he's, he's telling him, look, and, and, and Moses has already seen things that they've done. They, they, didn't, they could not wait. They just lost patience when he was up on the mountain, and they did some horrible things. And when he came back down, he was so disgusted that he broke. He just threw the commandments, those stone tablets, and shattered them. He has seen them have an uprising, and he saw people get swallowed up by the earth. In numbers, Balaam tricked them. Balaam told Balak how to get your daughters into the Israeli camp, you know, to get them into the Hebrew people to where they'll bring their idolatry in. And that worked. And a bunch of, bunch of uh, Hebrews died. A bunch of them. Thousands and thousands died because of it. Because of the plague that God sent down because of their disobedience. And doing this very thing, they went a, a whoring after the gods, the little g-gods of the strangers of the land, whither they go to be among them, and will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. So God already knows that because of this leader dying, that the, and Joshua is going to take them over, but there's going to be people who are going to forget the covenant and they are going to fall away. Then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured. And many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will, will say in that day, Are not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? You know, we, we ask, how can God allow these terrible things to happen? You know, some bad thing happens. Tell you what, there's been some really bad things happening across the world. And, you know, think about all the, the fires in Hawaii and how many people died in those fires. Then there was the, was it an earthquake in Morocco? Morocco? Thousands and thousands of people died in that earthquake. And then, was a, a dam broke in Libya? Even more people died from that uh, flood all those rains and then the, the dam breaking and all that water coming down and it just swept away thousands of people. Uh, bad things happen and people will say, well, how could a loving God allow those bad things to happen? Um, read your Bible. You push him out of everything. You don't want him involved in anything. And then when something bad happens, you want to blame him. You know, God will allow bad things to happen to people. He doesn't do them directly, but he will allow an evil nation to come in. You know, one day, I don't know when it's going to be, but one day an evil nation is going to take over this whole country. We're, we're on a fast track for that to happen. And, and if we knew how infiltrated we are, you'd probably freak out. It could happen in a moment's notice. Uh, you read Daniel, and, the, and, and the, any, any nation that thinks that they're something, and they start to live it up, 
and think that they're blessed and nobody can do anything to them and they're, they are so confident in their military and their fortifications and the whole time the, the nation that wants, wants you has been, has been working for years and years to where they're about ready to just sneak under the wall, divert the river. So it was the Babylonians and they thought everything was good, nobody could touch them. So it would be the Medo-Persians who were diverting the river. So the river ran right through the middle of the city. It came under the wall. They had, uh, they had bars, from what best I can remember, they made bars and they were on a swivel, but because of the current, there was no way a person could get under the water and pull those bars open. They would drown before they ever had enough time to do it. So no one could swim under because of the bars that were under. So they diverted the river. You, you, can you imagine how long it took to build what they were building to divert that huge river? And when they got it diverted, then they could walk on the bottom, go over to those metal gates, no resistance at, on them at all, pull them open and walk right into the city. And the leader of the city, the, the guy who was there, that, that king, which I think was the son of the actual reigning king, which would have been Nebuchadnezzar's son, and this would, the guy who was sitting there was, would have been Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, and feel free to call me, email me, correct me if I'm saying anything wrong, because this is all from memory. It just popped into my head, and this is a dangerous thing to do, but I'm doing it anyway. And uh, he's sitting there drunk. He's already seen this hand right on the wall. His knees are knocking. He's so scared. And then the, all those soldiers come walking in. No one has to be killed, and he's done. He dies that night. It, it happened just like that. And one day, this nation is going to have that happen, and we're all going to be like, what? No warning at all. Because God will allow other nations to uh, carry out the punishment. Um, God said, have you considered my servant Job? He allowed Satan himself to go down and cause total havoc in Job's life. <clears throat> so, yeah, God will allow those things to happen. 18. And I will surely hide my face in that day for all the evils which they shall have wrought, in that they are turned unto other gods. Now, so, you know, why? I mean, why turn to other gods? I don't know what the fascination was with turning to... So, the one true God was in heaven. They couldn't see Him. If He did show up so they can take a look at Him, they would have dropped dead. You know, it's, it's something to do with faith. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So, we can't see the one true God. And they have all of these little g-gods that they were images. You could see them. But they were dumb. As in, they couldn't speak to you. They couldn't see anything. They couldn't hear anything. 
So I'm going to read something out of Psalm 115. I got it marked. Psalm 115 says, this is the first eight verses of Psalm 115. It says, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory, for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes they have, or have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them. So is every one that trusteth in them. So the people who make these idols are just as dumb, as in they can't speak, they, they're not going to hear anything, they're not going to see, because they're just like their dumb idols. 19 of Deuteronomy 31. Now therefore write ye this song for you, and teach it the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths, and that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. All right, so Moses has, is, is uh, given a song, and he's supposed to teach this song. You know, songs are special. Uh, I caught myself all week this week singing El Shaddai, El Shaddai, all week long, because singing a song makes an impression. And Moses is writing a song, and he is to make sure that all these children, here's one of those 1,804 times that children is used in the Bible right here, and we are to teach these children these songs. 20. For when I shall have brought them into the land which I swear unto their fathers, that floweth with milk and honey, and they shall have eaten and filled themselves, and waxen fat, then will they turn unto other gods and serve them, and, prov and provoke me and break my covenant. And it shall come to pass when many evils and troubles are befallen them, that this song shall testify against them as a witness, for it shall not be forgotten out of the mouths of their seed, for I know their imagination which they go about even now before I have brought them into the land which I swear. Moses therefore wrote this song the same day and taught it the children of Israel. And he gave Joshua the son of Nun a charge and said, be strong and of a good courage, for thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land which I swear unto them, and I will be with thee. So I've already talked about that earlier. Uh, 24. And it came to pass, when Moses had made an end of writing the words of this law in a book, until they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites, which 
bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and put it in the side of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there for a witness against them. All right, so how a witness against them, they're going to break the law. And if the law is wrote down, then you are convicted by it. So, if there weren't laws in the Code of Virginia, if it's not on the books, and you break a law and it's not in the book, you can't be convicted because it's not in the book. We get that from the Bible. That's why the law is important. That's why we can go to somebody and say, that's sin, don't do it. And they, what, what would they say back? It ain't sin to me. Why are you saying it's sin? Why are you saying it's wrong? Well, my Bible says so. The law says that it is wrong. It's against God's moral law. You're breaking God's law. Because it's in the book. And we have a duty to tell people that they're breaking the law because something very, very bad is going to happen to them if they are living their whole life as a lawbreaker and never come to Jesus. So people need to understand that because of the law that they've broken, they're going to hell forever. Unless that can be... Uh, they can have a substitute and be cleansed and be considered righteous and not a lawbreaker by Jesus. So, you know, we use the law to help convict someone that they need a Savior. Because if you break God's law, in the end, it's death. Well, chapter before this, it says, choose life. It says, hey, look, I'm laying it out here. I'm laying out death, and I'm laying out life. Your choice. So go back and read chapter 30. He says, in, in, in chapter 30, he said, I call heaven and earth to, to, to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him. That's the very last couple verses of uh, chapter 30. So this law is a witness against thee. 27, for I know thy rebellion and thy stiff neck. Behold, while I am yet alive with you this day, Ye have been rebellious against the Lord, and how much more after my death? God's already told them, so now he's telling them. He's like, God's already told me that after I die, y'all are going to do some really bad stuff, and now he's, he's reminding them of that very thing that God had just told him. <clears throat> 28, gather unto me all the elders of your tribes and your officers, that I may speak these words in their ears, and call heaven and earth to record against them, for I know that after my death ye will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you, and evil will befall you in the latter days, because ye will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the works of your hands. 
And Moses spake in the ears of all the congregation of Israel the words of this song until they were ended. Okay, so what is that song? Do we have that song? And I believe it's the next chapter. And as we read next week, we'll get into the song. And uh, I don't know if I'll sing it to you, but I'll try, I'll read it to you. I might have to get somebody else to sing it to you. So, that concludes chapter 31. So let's pray. You know, I, well, right before we pray, let's just, I would like for you to think about uh, reading Timothy, First and Second Timothy, maybe even Titus. Read through some of those, well, they, we call them pastoral books, but just to be reminded, you know, the name of, of the podcast that we do, you know, Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth, you know, comes out of that, comes out of uh, uh, Timothy. And it is very important that we know how to rightly divide the Word of God. And I'm hoping that you're picking up on it as we go through Deuteronomy and how this is a picture of how things are going to transition from the dispensation of law and the dispensation of grace, but we never forget what God has turned toward our promised land, and that we hold it dear, we remember all these things, and we, we just keep on passing it down to the next generations. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I pray that we would be motivated to read your word, to, to keep it, you know, to bind it to our hearts and to put it around our necks, that we will know how to walk in this world. Father, that we will be able to um, have peace so that we will sleep when it's time to sleep, have just peaceful sleep. And Father, that we will just know how to live the life that you want us to live here on this earth. Father, that we would have a heart for those who may not know you yet and that we will use your word to speak to them. Father, help us. And Father, we have many people um, that are part of this church right now that are sick. And Father, we ask that you would be with each and every one of them. Father, that you would be with Barbara, that you would be with Lois and, and Betty Hatcher. And Father, uh, all these people that you know would normally be here that are just feeling bad right now, that you would be with them. And, and Father, we'd like to lift up Cameron to you as he's feeling bad this week as well. And uh, Father, uh, pray for the, the guys at the jail that um, I got to hang out with last night. And uh, they've been suffering with some, with some sicknesses there. And Father, I just pray that you would be with them and they would continue to use their time wisely in reading the word. 
and just bless that Bible study, Father. And Father, as we you know, move forward here at this church and the things that we have planned, that you would be, be with us and help us, that it would be a success. And we will have many people who will come in contact with us over this weekend and that we will be a light that they will be wanting to come back to. Thank you, Father, for your many blessings. Thank you for the shed blood of Jesus. Thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.